Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 99 of the Post 20 Podcast. My name is Evan. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on this week, man? Uh, good week so far. I just want to start off the show by uh, shouting out the Middle Township High School Boys team on a, a great win over our local rival. Um, it was a memorable night, uh, probably the craziest game, uh, the craziest high school game I've seen since I played. Um, definitely one to remember. I'm really proud of the guys for showing up and and scoring in a big game like that. Uh, our captain Stevie Barrett got a hat trick in the game. Um, represented himself well. It was a great. It was an all around great night. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to definitely mention those guys. Um, other than that, just an abnormal week of work. Um, a light week with my kids training wise we don't have a game this weekend so it's gonna be a light weekend won't have to worry about too much with them but yeah overall good week so far word yeah since school I'm not really doing anything outside of that um just trying to get myself focused up hang out watching a lot of sports watching a ton of football uh and then soccer on the weekends and, and the nba just restarted today or well oh last my goodness last night so just um, adds on to your, your plate with uh, all the betting and stuff. I was I said you got you might have to start up another side show. I don't think I have the time for that. I mean, I <laughs> I put so much time into the NFL stuff. Like I know, and then we have this one too, and it's just so much. Um, right, but yeah, um, I've thought about it, but I just think I would burn myself out. You know, it's like so much research you have to put in, man. You got oh, it this. is. I mean, you have to put the football and then you add the NBA and then we're not even talking about like MLB playoffs. Yeah. Hockey started. Yeah. No, I, I don't even, I don't give a fuck about hockey. Um, right. But, but baseball, I, I do watch and I really can only, you can only pick two sports, I think, to really have as your like main thing to really know a lot about. And for me, it's definitely, um, it's, it's probably mostly, um, NFL and the Premier League, but I mean, I know a lot about world football in general, and I I know a ton about the NBA too. Yeah, um, I was gonna say, but shit moves around a lot in the NBA, so it's mm-hmm. it's just one of those things. Like if you miss a week, especially if like before free agency closes, you, you could look at a team and it be an entirely different team. So, um, it's yeah. it's crazy, but you know, uh, I'm glad that it's back. It's it's more shit to bet on and. There's always going to be a game on every night, so you don't really have to worry about, um, you know, having nothing. I know for me, like it's Monday night football. You gotta wait for Thursday night football, and you gotta wait for Sunday. Um, now you have NBA stuff to fill in there. Yeah, you have NBA to fill in the gaps, and then the the prem too, and uh, Europa League, League and Champions League. And yeah, today a I fucking went, a lot happened today with that. I know, dude. I want some money today. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. I was, didn't realize that Leicester was playing at like ten in the morning. That was the game I won. Um I absolute had them, banger. Dude, Pat and Daka four goals. Absolute stud. He had yeah, he had was, three goals in nine minutes. I know. That was I was I was making a note of that in my mind for when when we start recording today. Yeah, so we're gonna go ahead and move into this. Um now that we're talking about soccer a little bit, we'll just transition right on in for you guys. Uh we're gonna recap match day eight for you. Uh, at least the ones that we thought were worth talking about, and then we'll uh, move before, on. Before, oh, go yeah, ahead. Uh, no, I was just gonna say before you start, I always forget to to stop you before you get going. All right, so our records last week six and four, each of us. 
Okay. Um, we did have a couple games differing, and those were the games we flip flopped on. But I mean, after the first day, we were both like four and three and five and two. It was looking nice, and yeah. then Sunday and Monday happened. I know. Um, that's how it. That's how it goes. Sometimes it's always like we got lucky. All the big teams won. And then I was like, we got a couple mid-table wins here and there. But I mean, I think going positive in a week is always good. Yeah, I mean, this was a week where things could have gone either way, too. Um, mm. I was kind of surprised. I thought I would have more. Um, Southampton and Leeds was the one that really got me weird, I think. That was the one that I didn't see I coming. I think, our, I think our minds are so, or I should, I should say our eyes are kind of, little miss we like see something different when we see leads like we think of the old leads and now it's like we kind of have to come to terms with what they are now yeah they fucking suck honestly mm-hmm. they're f- fucking ass i don't know what's going on i i think bls is a great manager that's that's why i want to keep putting my faith in them but i no. i just don't know if we can and, and bamford's not really he's around. Not around he's just not around like that's the exact thing that i was thinking Phillips of. is out yeah, it's just brutal, and you can't really rely on them to do anything. You know, they have Rafinha, he's good. They have Rodrigo, he's good. But the rest of their team, in general, kind of doesn't play as a unit, and they just struggle. So um, yeah. Leeds are a team that I'm, I, I haven't put money on in, in quite some time, but I, yeah. I don't see them coming back and, and being a team that I bet on religiously like I did last season. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Well, let's Yeah, let's start top of the – let's just get into it then. Let's start top of the – up of the window, that 7.30 game, we we called it spot on. The 5-0 thumping of uh, Watford by Liverpool. I mean, I mean, there's not really much to say no. besides uh, the guys you thought were going to score did score with Mane Salah Firmino. Firmino getting a rare hat trick there. Um, it was a long day for Watford. I mean, they're coming out in a 5-4-1, praying to hold them to nothing. And... Uh, you're coming up against Mo Salah now after yesterday in the Champions League. He scored in nine straight games for them. First Liverpool player to ever do that. Um, the guy's in the form of his life. I mean, he's he can't really argue that he's the most informed player right now in the world, right? Uh, no, I don't think you can. I mean, I think, or you can't argue against it, rather. He is in not only the form of his life, but seems to just be in the footballing shape of his life. Um, his mind is exactly where it needs to be. You could tell. Uh, after Firmino started to bag some goals, you could see it in, in Salah's eyes that he wasn't going to go ahead and, and let everybody get in on the scoring without him, right? He wanted Absolutely. to score eight in a row, um, and he did just that. I mean, this guy is exhibiting killer instinct at the moment. He made um, Cathcart look like an absolute fucking clown. Um, yeah, in the another box. worldie. I mean, it was absolutely unbelievable. The way that he's playing with the ball at his feet right now reminds me of the way that um, Messi plays with the ball at his feet. I mean, he's so confident uh, in those tiny little ticky-tacky spots up towards the um, the mouth of the goal, and he's finishing so, so well. Um, Liverpool are very informed right now. They look extremely hard to break down at the back as well, and I just think... I mean, th- this is an unbelievable game. Um, we didn't even see Jota in this game. So I just I don't understand how you can even change this lineup at this point. I mean, these guys look unbelievable. The, the reintroduction of Henderson has been monumental, I would say. And Liverpool seem like they're going to be the team to beat right now. Yeah, I think somebody that's playing really well right now is Naby Keita. He's a guy that um, we unfortunately don't get to see that much because he's a, a main player when it comes to the injury bug. Um, him and Tiago are, are pretty much the same. They get injured a lot. 
and he's he's in his own form there. He's scored scored a worldie a couple weeks ago, and now he's got a couple games under his belt. He's fitting into the squad better, and that midfield's the main thing where I think Liverpool can get exposed at times when they have those injuries. But when you have him firing there, you got Milner, uh, an experienced vet in there, as well as um, Thiago and Fabinho. We didn't even see Fabinho in this game. I mean, they're they're so loaded. Um, it kind of makes me mad at my old self when we're doing the league predictions. I have them fourth. I mean, behind United, who's still, even with Ronaldo, they're the choke artists that they are at times and always getting bailed out by in the Champions League. He saved their asses again. Um, it's just, it's really, it's there's no holes in their game. Uh, and it's really tough. And, and Salah scored in six straight games now. And uh, Vardy has the record, I believe, with scoring in eleven straight games. He's got a good chance of doing that. Yeah, and I th- do you know who the player um, was who had it before Vardy? I, th- I thought it was Rooney. Van Nistelrooy. Oh, it was Van Nistelrooy. It was. Rooney. He scored in ten, and then Vardy broke it against United, which made it even that much sweeter for him. Yep. Yep, I remember that now. Um, yeah, but I mean, I mean, for Watford's sake, it's like they got out of here with the worst case scenario, and like we were talking about with Renieri, this is his first game. Um, I mean. He got out of here with pretty much how everybody thought was, what was going to happen. And then you just have to move forward. And, I mean, obviously, you're never going to really expect to win that game. And you just take your bump there and move on to the following week. Yeah, and I think they have Watford have Everton next week. So, again, yeah. you know, not, not necessarily an easy side to go up against right now, especially after their defeat to West Ham. Um, but, but it'll be a little bit easier uh, than taking on Liverpool, who are in immaculate condition as of right now. Okay, you want to move on to Southampton Leeds? We'll quickly go over this one because I don't have a lot to say about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. opposite of the last one. Yeah, so we talked a little bit um, at the beginning of the show here uh, about Leeds not being the team who they once were. Um, ultimately, they just look really, really poor, I think, on the offensive end. Uh, every once in a while, you get a splash of brilliance from Rafinha or Rodrigo. But uh, they're they're just they can't get everything going at once. Uh, Jack Harrison, Dan James haven't necessarily stepped up and and been the players we thought they could be. Uh, Tyler Roberts has has been all right, um, but I, I just don't think overall that Leeds have things going on. I don't think that uh, Bielsa has things going for them, and they are not at this point going to get back to that point that they were at last season. Uh, they've been figured out. I know we've talked about that before. And I don't necessarily think Southampton are a very good side. Uh, are they being currently managed better than Leeds? Yeah, maybe. Um, but I think Leeds' squad strength is probably still better and ultimately more dynamic. So for Leeds to come out of here, um, not even getting a point, I think is disappointing. I know Southampton needed this as well. I just figured, you know, Leeds have the tenacity that have a tenacity that Southampton typically do not. I thought they'd come out on top, but ultimately, I was proven wrong. I mean, I'm uh, you, you mentioned Rodrigo. Like, I, I'm not. I've never thought he was really that good. I mean, he just doesn't fit the league and the style. I don't think he's been given a fair shake at times, like a run of form because of Banford, obviously. But, um, the forward position is his main position, and just not getting the job done now whether that's him himself uh fumbling the bag at times or if he's not getting the service he needs which i can see that no rafinha in this game um calvin phillips isn't there to clean things up and let them have the ball more i mean they did have more possession in this game to be fair 
but they didn't do anything with the ball. They had no shots on target, three total shots compared to Southampton's five on target and 19 in total. I mean, Southampton just bided their time, uh, and when they got the chances, they were very direct, uh, and their goal was on a quick counterattack from a set piece. So, And that's the main thing Leeds can get called out on is set pieces because they're so stretched apart. And like, yeah, like you said, I think they've been found out, and Biel's is not a guy that's going to change. So uh, um, for that, I'm on marking today as the day I'm, I'm like not back in Leeds. Every game I'm not picking them because they just don't they don't have anything going for them without Bamford, no Rafinha. I mean, there's just nothing to them. Yeah, I agree, and it's a shame. But um, from here on, you know, I, I think I'm with you. I just don't think that I'm going to be back in Leeds anymore. I'm I'm done with the project. I'm I'm selling my stock. Uh, okay, shall we move on to Norwich nil, Brighton nil? Yeah, a quick a quick thirty second take. I mean, this game was very disappointing. Um, good, I guess, for Norwich to get a point here, but very disappointing for Brighton, who have been sitting towards that top part of the table. I think they currently Still sit in fourth. in fourth, which I mean, only on goal difference. Uh, a fourth place team shouldn't be drawing Norwich. <laughs> I don't think under any circumstance. Uh, I mean, what the top I, three teams above them have already all played them and they absolutely annihilated them. Yeah, exactly. So so for me, what I took away was, I'm right, you know, Brighton don't belong in fourth place. And trust me, they won't finish in fourth place. Um, we'll, we'll see that switch. But uh, Brighton, it's not like they looked awful here. I think in a defensive um, sense, they, they let Norwich slip through a couple times. Uh, three shots on target, even though Norwich had 35% possession. Uh, you know, Brighton controlled the um, pace of the game and held the ball the majority of the time. But I don't, I just don't think they looked all that good. And I think you, oh, excuse me, absolutely have to beat this Norwich City team. I mean, I don't care if they're playing five in the back. You, you did have Aaron's Hanley, uh, Kabak, uh, Gibson, and there's a Greek guy. I think his name's like Yanulis or something like that. You had them all back yeah. there. And of course, Aaron's and Yanulis come, come up the side and play as sort of wingbacks, right? But still, I just don't think it's, I just don't think that you can let Norwich get away with the point here. Uh, if you want to be treated like a serious team, which Brighton seemed to be wanting to be treated like that right now, uh, you need to beat this team. I mean, look, like you said, everybody else is absolutely fucking battered the goldfinches. So, I don't know. That was a weird one for me and disappointing. I mean, yeah, the, like you said, they had a great start. They started the first five games 4-1 and one, up there in the top four. And in their last three, they've reverted back to what they usually do, three straight draws. I mean, last year they had 13 draws or 14 draws, the most in the league. Um, so, they're slowing down and... You mentioned being in that top four, you need to dominate those teams. They've only scored eight goals in eight games compared to everybody else's in 15 and up above them. So the main thing for them is their defensive structure. They're not giving up many goals, only five, which is a great stat to have to keep yourself in the league. But if you want to do well and win silverware and get those European spots, you need to score goals. And they just don't have that in their locker room right now. Um, you can make the case for Mupe, but he's not a consistent guy there. He's not going to get that service. And even if he is, uh, those top-level defenses are going to close him down easy. He just doesn't have that in him. I think Cucurello out there on the left is a great signing from them, from La Liga. I think he adds a little bit of flair out there and speed that they've been lacking. Um, until Tyreek Lamptey gets back, then they'll have a nice dynamic duo on the wings. On forward, he, we still haven't seen him since last year, which is upsetting because... He was somebody we really enjoyed watching last year when they were doing well. 
Um, yeah, other than that, they don't really have too much other than those guys. Um, and now they're going to start hitting those tougher teams, and this week's going to be a, a big test for them against Man City. So, And then the following week, they play Liverpool. So they're going to be playing their competitors uh, currently in the table. Uh, I'll, I'll, make, I'll say that currently, their competitors, but it's going to be a real test on Graham Potter and how he can organize his team to do well against these guys. And you got to remember, Brighton ended the year last year beating City at the Etihad, so... Man City's got that little chip on their shoulder to assert their dominance in this rematch. Yeah, for sure. Um, Alrighty, let's move on to Villa 2, Wolves 3. This was a fucking banger. Um, Insane. I didn't think that this game would be like this. I kind of thought it'd be like one team getting away, slipping away with, uh, you know, 1-0 or maybe it would be a draw. Yes. But, I mean, this was a banger. There's five goals in this one. Danny Ings and John McGinn. Uh, put Villa up 2-0 only for Romain Saiz, Connor Cody, and Ruben Neves come back in the last 15 minutes of the game and, and bring Wolves all three points. I mean, this was an absolutely unbelievable match. I think Villa were the team that looked sharper on the attack. Oh, whoops, sorry, guys. You just heard uh, me pull up the highlights by accident. Um, but, yeah, I think Villa were the team that, that probably should have come out with this this win, but they fell apart, man. This is what happens when you have... When you have a back line that has some younger players, Kansa, Twanzebi, Tyrone Mings, I mean, have they played well in, in recent times? Yeah, of course, but you have to remember that they are relatively young and, and relatively inexperienced as well. And I just think overall this team is kind of young, um, and, and they struggled with this one. They struggled to keep their lead going down or going up 2-0 and then letting them score three in the last 15. I mean, that is an awful, awful mistake. I'm sure they got chewed out. Um, by the manager in the in the locker room after this one, especially at home. I'm sure they got booed. This was a really tough result for Villa, but Wolves, you know, Bruno Lage's boys exhibiting some of that comeback spirit. It's good to see. It took them a while to get going, but Wolves seem to, you know, kind of be moving on now right now. Yeah, now they're cracked in the top ten right there at that tenth position on twelve points. Three straight wins. Um yeah, it was looking ugly at the beginning of the game, like you said, I think. Danny Ings opened up the scoring with a, a vintage goal for himself, and then John McGinn getting a nice little long shot in there. And you thought the game was wrapped up. I mean, they have a solid goalkeeper in Martinez back there. And like you said, the back line's relatively young. Twanzebe and Kanza both 23. Ings being the senior at 28, the captain. Um, I'm never I'm never certain with when Twanzebe's back there. I'm always concerned that there's going to be a mistake. It, we, it showed earlier in the year he made a mistake and cost them some points there. So that was always in the back of my mind. But, I mean, they scored in the 95th minute for a winner on a free kick. You're giving up a dumb foul late on in a dangerous area. That's un, that's uncalled for. And not, and Dean Smith should be absolutely human about that. It cost them, two, it cost them three points. Um, so for Wolves, that's a great, great showing that they're resilient. They can stick in these games until the brutal end and the, and the guys bought into the system. So it really showed. So... Uh, great to see from them. They're in form right now. Probably, I'd put them in like my top eight in power rankings right now. They're they're in great form, but um, yeah, for Villa, they really need to clean things up and and close games out because that's the only way you're going to be able to do well in this league. Like uh, like I said earlier, with Brighton, you need to score goals, but also you need to make sure you can close games out in winning positions. Yes, of course. Uh, okay. I'm going to let you go ahead and take the reins for Leicester City 4, Manchester United 2. Did you see this or no? 
I didn't see it live, but I did see all the highlights, and I was the one that I took a limb. I told you last week, if you guys didn't hear me and didn't back me there, I said this is a game that Leicester will win. They were in spotty form the whole year, not looking good at all. They brought it to United. Early on, Mason Greed won with an absolute worldy top right of the box to the top left corner. Uh, vintage goal from him. Um, I thought Ronaldo would celebrate more, but he just put a little thumbs up and clapped for him. Uh, probably wanting that to be his, but I mean, uh, Greenwood's probably the second best player right now for United. I'd say that guy is insane. Um, but I mean, this is the Yuri Tillemon show. That guy is an absolute goat in the middle for them. He is the engine of that team. Um, he's going to be a hot prospect to leave next summer. If he wants, he could probably go to Madrid. I, I'm sure they'll be chomping at the bit to get him in there uh, with Mbappe. But, um, yeah, I think it was overall a great performance from Leicester. This is definitely what they needed. Uh, Vardy got his 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 uh, quota of a goal for the game against United. Um, and it was nice to see for Rashford to come his first game back, uh, going with the blonde hair there. He died a little bit. He got it back on the score sheet uh, to let all the fans know that he's back and he, he wants to get in this side. And he should start over Sancho. Sancho has kind of looked like a waste of 90 mil, 100 mil. Uh, he hasn't produced anything yet. I mean... You can you can try to cut him some slack, say oh he's new to the league and whatnot. But I mean, he, from being from England, you understand what the Premier League's about. I'm sure he went to plenty of matches, uh, trained here his whole life. So that's that should be more. There should be more pressure on him to do better there. But yeah, Leicester, great win here. Uh, we mentioned earlier Leicester in the Europe League today. Daka with four goals. He also scored in this game, so now he's got five in his last two. Um, they have a lot of choices. Brendan Rodgers has a lot of choices now. Uh, going forward, I mean, all of his guys are performing, and it's all centered around Tillemans. That guy is right now the best player in form on that team. It's awesome to see him popping off. And um, what do you think about this result for United? What it means for them? Um, for me, what this confirmed was that the United midfield situation is absolutely fucking dire. I mean, it is dis- yeah. it is disastrous. You cannot, under any circumstance, go into a game uh, against another team in the top ten. Uh, actually, are they, they were 10th, I think, when this game started, right? Esther was, I think, 13th or oh, something, okay. and now they've jumped up to 11th. Okay, so I'm, I'm wrong there, but Leicester are a team of quality. Let's, let's put it there. Um, yeah. They're a team of quality. They're, they're not, they shouldn't be 13th. They've had some unlucky results, but, uh, you cannot go under, into a game like this with Nemanja Matic in the starting lineup. Um, he hasn't been good since he was at Chelsea, and that was you know four years ago at this point. So I just don't understand what they're doing. Like I don't understand what Ali is doing with these lineups. It's quite insane to me. I know we have Rashford back. We've seen him now in two um, two performances, and he's looked good. But I just I, I don't know what the point of putting... So- I don't know why you're starting Sancho at all. I mean, it's time for him to ride the bench and get moved along. I know they paid a lot for him, but he's shit. And I knew he'd be shit. And pretty much everybody knew that Seven he... Seven weeks in, you're calling it? He's. I always said he was He was bang average. I mean, I... That's right. You, you've always been against him when he when, even before he made the move. I just don't think he's a... I don't think he's a Premier League player. I don't think he's a Manchester United player. We know the quality of player that that they need. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't cut it. You know, would he be okay on 
Would he be okay on this Leicester team? Yeah, probably. He actually would probably be better than he is right now on this United team. More of the star. It's. I think that's what you need. He's He is flashy. He can't be the third, fourth, fifth fiddle on this team. I mean, you're playing with Cristiano Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes. Like, uh, and Mason Greenwood's better than you. Marcus Rashford's better than you. Paul Pogba's better than you. Um, these young guys with fragile egos, they need to be the, the center of the stage. And, and he's not ever going to be at the center of the stage at United. Um, I'd be willing to put you know my life savings on the fact that he will never, um, ever, ever break into being the main star here. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, my takeaway was that Manchester United's midfield is fucking atrocious. Um, you're either going to get Matish or you're going to get Fred and McTominay, and they both, all three of them are, are shit. So they need, um, <laughs> what's up? I was just going to say, I'll also say Maguire had an absolute stinker in this game. I think he was a, he was a late addition to the starting lineup. He was dealing with injuries for a little while. And him being back in here was just awful for him. I mean, the whole back line, it was the old school line that we're used to with Lindelof and that and um, De Gea in there. So, I mean, just the high press from Leicester really cost uh, United the game. And saw even on the Tillemans goal, uh, Inacho pressing high, wins the ball, plays in Tillemans, and he has the balls to chip De Gea from where he was. was absolute class. That was an so, insane I mean, goal. Yeah. And Ronaldo had very few touches in this game, which was rarely seen. I mean... You know, there's going to be a couple games maybe where he doesn't score, but I mean, he very had very few chances. Yeah, and I think he was a little upset. You could tell in this one. Um, Absolutely, he's a big diva. He he is, and that's the thing. I mean, I mean, I think that United have maybe a little too many divas. They got a little bit going on here, and I think Bruno is the is the one guy that really puts his head down and kind of just lets his play speak for it. But absolutely, Ronaldo is a big personality. Pogba is a big personality. Um, Rashford is not necessarily a big personality, but he does a lot outside of the game, which by the way, I don't think he should stop doing like Ollie said. Um, but, um, that carries a, a weight, uh, we'll say. And then you have Sancho who's young and is, was very, very expensive. And there's an expectation and a weight there too. So, you think Varane would have made a difference if he was in the lineup to, in that game? No, not necessarily. I think Leicester were just, I mean, they were just very clinical um, more than anything. Yeah. I don't necessarily think Varane has been all that impressive. Uh, I think he's right. good. I think he's a great defender, but it's going to take him a couple more weeks or months maybe even to kind of fully um, assimilate with his defense. But yeah, yeah. Vind- Vindelof and Magu- or Lindelof and Maguire, I mean, <laughs> it's tough, man. It's a tough defense. I feel like in the modern day, um, after this, we can move on, but I feel like in the modern game now, when it comes to transfers, I feel like the bigger your price tag is, the more is expected of you, and I mean, that makes sense, and I think if these, like, we're talking about Sancho, the 90, 100 mil, uh, it's only, it's very early in the year, they played eight games, uh, not counting League Cups and Champions League and all that, I mean, we're already having the assumption that he's done and should move on, do you think that's a thing that maybe social media and like modern how modern times become where if it's not good right away you just you just call it there and find the next best thing well i so i think the expectation is high certainly because of of social media and public scrutiny um it's made it far easier to judge these players because we have such access to every single game they play and we get to see pretty much everything they do in their normal lives 
Um, and I don't think that's necessarily fair to these guys, right? They're professionals. This is their job. Uh, it's no different than if you were a lawyer and somebody came in and watched you <laughs> do all of your cases. You know what I mean? Every single day, yeah. every single thing you do, every training, every... Uh, um, so it's not necessarily fair. No, but... And I, and I do think that social media has a thing to do with it. But the bottom line is we do have access to it. And as avid fans of the sport, we are privileged enough to watch them do everything they want. And I've seen Sancho come up. I saw him at Dortmund. Um, and I never thought that he was worth a hundred mil ever. Um, I think Jude Bellingham, I think Jude Bellingham is worth a hundred mil. I don't think Sancho is. Um, and maybe it's just because of the way they play. Uh, maybe it's just because I know wingers are hardly ever worth a hundred million these days, but, uh, I don't know. I just think that everyone is overpriced. Like if you look at how much did they bring Lukaku in for? Was 125 that? million euros. Okay, well, if Lukaku's worth 125 million, there's no way that Jaden Sancho is worth only 25 million less than that. I think that's, like, Lukaku's, that is, he's a peak age, 29, 28 years old. Um, he's proven across multiple leagues. And, um, I mean, he has that experience and has been in the Premier League before, twice. Yeah. Uh, or actually even three times, if you want to think about it. Um, and Sancho's young. He's only, what, 21? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's 21. And, I mean, he's new to the league, if you want. I mean, he grew up here, but um, he just doesn't have that experience. Is it, do you have to give him a year first? Like, because I've been listening to a lot of the radio recently during work and a lot of NFL talk, like, with rookie quarterbacks and that. It's like, um, you have to give him a year or two to get used to the system and all that and to the play. Um, do you think that's kind of, should be the same thing with here? Or do you feel like, I mean, especially with the winger position, it's a very saturated position on the field that you can really, you can find good bargains out there for 10, 20, 30 million euros uh, instead of paying these high high uh, priced guys in this market where maybe their value is even half of what it should be? Well, let's, let's, let's use the quarterback analogy, right? I'm, I'm a very harsh critic. I think you know that from all the time that you've known me. I am a very harsh critic and I jumped the gun. Yeah. Um, and I'm the same way with quarterbacks. When Tua got drafted from Alabama, I said he's fucking dog shit. And he will be right. dog shit. And what has he been? Awful, awful, injury prone. awful dog shit. Injury prone, right. Because he was injury prone in college. And yeah. it's, it is just like, you're exactly right. The quarterback position is exactly like star-studded wingers in, in football. It's the exact same thing. And if you have problems or, um, you know, don't fit the system, then it's it could possibly kill your career. And I think it's probably going to seriously hurt um, Jaden Sancho moving forward, his performance here at United. And, and maybe he will pick it up next year. But to be honest with you, I don't see it happening. I don't know what's going to go on with the coach. I don't know if we're going to bring yeah. in new players. Like, uh, I do kind of feel that the experiment is, has run its course. I mean, look at Martial. Look at Depay. Look at these guys that they brought in for a ton of yeah. money back then. Where are they now? You know, Martial starts a game every 10, and Depay has been on two teams since. So, you know, it, it doesn't always work out uh, at United yeah. for, for some of these young guys. And Depay's made a career for himself, and maybe Sancho will too, but I don't think it's at United. Yeah, and I was saying the same thing with a coworker. Uh, he's also a Chelsea fan. I was telling him about 
um, how hard it is to move guys on at these big clubs because they have such high wages. And I mentioned Kepa paying all that money for him. And uh, we found probably, I'll get to Mendy, but what I have to say about him, but picked up a gem there for a fifth, if that, of, of what we paid for Kepa. Yep. He gets paid so much. And by him not playing, like his stock is so low and we're going to lose so much money on him for what we paid. So I feel like that's the same thing with Sancho and all these other guys at other top clubs that just can't get moved on. So um, it's tough. And a lot of times they leave on freeze and the club's just left with uh, just not having to pay them, but they get no money back for what they've done. Yeah, it's it's certainly something to consider. We're going to have to run through these because we just talked about Jaden Sancho for 15 minutes. Uh, okay, <laughs> we have Manchester City 2, Burnley nil. Took City only 12 minutes to get on the sheet here. Bernardo Silva, who was once surplus to requirements, struck first in the 12th. Kevin De Bruyne added one in the 70th to cap off an impressive but relatively slow performance against a <clears throat> impotent Burnley side. Burnley only with two shots on target with 29% possession. Didn't hold the ball much. Didn't look very good. And City get in here. Don't exert themselves too much. Get a nice clean one. Uh, Stefan started in goal this week. So that was nice to see. Um, Mares, Sterling, and Foden. Sterling was the, the center guy this week. So, um, we're going to start to see guys slot in and out of there because of, um, what's his name? The Spanish kid. He, uh, he broke his foot. The fuck's his name, man? For City? Yeah. Is that, uh, Laporte? No, no, no. The striker, the guy up top. Oh, Fernand Torres. Yeah, Fernand Torres. He's Spanish, right? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. forgot about him. That's okay. I totally forgot his name. I was blanking. But he's a you know, young Spanish striker. Uh, he's got a broken foot, so we're not going to see him. Uh, Sterling slotted in here, and there's some talk that maybe Sterling's on his way out. So we'll see. Um, but like I said, good result for City. I don't know if there's anything you want to say or you want to move on. but Yeah, Stefan getting the start uh, over Ederson due to uh, Brazil COVID rules and all that. He was coming from international duty, so... Uh, Stefan slots in there after his international break with America getting one game um, and that being a loss against um, who they play. It was like uh, El Salvador or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was something very upsetting. But yeah, I mean, this was a standard city result. Um, they're, they're just loaded. You mentioned Torres being hurt. They're just loaded and repositioned to where it's not that big of a deal at the end of the day. Um, you don't even see Kyle Walker in this lineup either, and that guy's an absolute baller. Uh, as well as Gunduan, he's dealing with injuries. So they'll be fine at the end of the day. Um, and, yeah, I mean, um, the only thing I would say we didn't expect was only 2-0. So, um, but a win's a win. they got a clean sheet, uh, and, they've, and they've only given up three goals all year. So uh, they're doing a nice job. Maybe this is the start of the, a big run for them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and let you do this one because this was an unbelievable game. Yeah, Chelsea won for nil. This was the last game on the Saturday window, and it it went very unexpected, really. I mean, Chelsea getting dominated on the shots, five to Brentford, 17, and one on target to Brentford, seven. I mean, Brentford are confirmed now after playing Liverpool and now Chelsea. Um, that they're legit. They are a legit contender, uh, as well as West Ham. I'll throw West Ham in there as well. They are a legit contender in this league. And um, 
you could even argue even better than how Leeds were last year in Wolves previously. Like these guys are a legitimate side that have a, a mutual goal, a vision, and it's supported by all the fans, the the club, the backroom staff, everybody. Everybody's in. They're all in. And it's working for them. And even though they lost this game, they proved still uh, that they can compete with the top dogs. Um, I And when I mentioned Mendy earlier, this guy is um, saying is the best goalie in the Premier League currently. I mean, this guy, for the price we got him, um, from where he's come from, with arguably thinking about just quitting uh, five, six years ago and moving on from the sport, it, it revitalizes his career. Uh, and he's in a position now where he's at a, a Champions League winning team, um, competing every week and in the Premier League, making incredible saves. And he's the reason we won these three points here. Um, an absolute baller. Um, and Werner's been getting a stretch up top there with Lukaku, and it's just not working out. I mean, I just don't know what it is with Timo. I, I don't think he, it, I think he can work in the Prem. I just don't think he fits this system that we have. I don't think it's meant for him. Um, there's a couple other guys that got thrown in here due to, um, as well as I mentioned, Ederson, the last one with the COVID guidelines. There was no Thiago Silva. Um, Rudiger was a little bit bumped up. So, um, Maling Sar out there getting a start, rare start for him with Chalba and Christensen, which is a nice lineup but in the back. But, I mean, we it showed we got exposed. We were really stretched out in this game. Um, nice to see Loftus-Cheek in there. I thought he had a decent game. But, I mean, um, Brentford is a scary team to come up against now. Yeah, they are. I mean, the last 20 minutes of this game were absolutely unbelievable. Um, massive shout-out to Petr Cech, who Petr Cech and, and Lampard worked together to bring in Mendy, um, and that was probably the best business, especially in a goalkeeper sense, um, that I've seen done in the past five to six years. I mean, he is... He's, unbelievable the guy is is just magnificent and when a goalkeeper is good um i i was listening to tim howard earlier this week he said when a goalkeeper is bad everything gets blamed on the goalkeeper but when a goalkeeper is good they don't get any praise because you don't pay attention to it um but i think that we have to pay attention to edward mendy i mean he he should be clapped for um, and I know that Chelsea fans absolutely adore him. And I think, really, if you're just a fan of world football, and Premier League more specifically, um, you have to understand that this guy is a fucking stud. Um, and he doesn't seem like he's going to lose this at any point. I mean, I know I've said that before, or we've all seen that before with other court, uh, keepers, but he's up there with Allison and Ederson for the best keepers in the Prem and really the world, to be honest. You can even say in those Premier League uh champions uh winning seasons uh when check played that um he had so many clean sheets and was so yep. such an integral part in the team and was why they won all those trophies as well as the champions league final i mean guys stood on his head so many times and mendy's starting to become that role now yeah. if not already is so um i'm glad to see have somebody that we can put that confidence in if ever put in a situation like that that he can uh step up to the task so Great to see there. Uh, for Brentford, I'd say, like I said already, they should hold their heads up high. Um, they're in a position that nobody thought they'd be in right now. They're ninth in the league. Um, three wins, three draws, and two losses. I mean, they're holding their own. They're not the not going to score a crap load of goals week in and week out like a City and Liverpool can. 
but they can get the job done when needed. Um, it doesn't have to be the biggest result, but just to get by. And, and uh, it's looking like they, they're going to compete for a top 10 spot. Mm -hmm. Certainly does. Um, all right, we'll move on to the next one. But um, I love Petr Cech. I just want to put that out there. Uh, even when Arsenal he was on, even Chelsea when he was player. on Chelsea, I I loved him. I mean, he he's a model professional and one of the best ever. Um, and yeah, he was good even when he came to Arsenal. Um, okay, Everton nil, West Ham one, and Angelo Ogbonna goal in the seventy fourth was the difference here. These two teams rather evenly matched. I think the odds were pretty much split right down the middle. Um, Everton yeah. were the slight favorite, I think. Um, At home, yeah. Yeah, so they were a slight favorite here. I had money on West Ham. I knew that they'd come through and do it for me. Uh, I actually placed a London parlay. So I Ooh. had I had West Ham, Tottenham, Jacksonville Jaguars, because they were playing at the Tottenham Stadium, <laughs> um, Arsenal, and then, or I called it the British Isles parlay, and then Rory McIlroy to win the CJ Cup. Everything hit. I cashed <laughs> it out at $16. I would have won like, you know, $170, but I cashed it out. That's the fourth week in a row that I've cashed a bet and it would have hit. So I need to stop using that. But um, you said I, you had Arsenal, though. Oh. Did no, you no, had no, Arsenal no, no. in there? Yeah, no, maybe I didn't have them in there. Uh, I'd have, I'll put the slip out um, later on. Maybe it wasn't. Let me see. I was going to say, because they, they, they just barely scrapped that point. Oh, yeah. So never mind. It wouldn't have hit. It wouldn't have hit. I forgot. It was a smart um, cash out. It was. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, it was only for a dollar. I made 17 bucks. So, yeah, okay. All right. It's fine. Um, I forgot. I, I've just erased that from my brain <laughs> uh, already. <laughs> we'll get to that. But, yeah, great game from West Ham here, exhibiting <clears throat> some of that strength. Uh, especially in the back line. And even you saw Bona get a goal here. The standout for me, of course, was Saeed Ben Rama. I mean, that guy's a stud. You saw it be Suchak last year. Declan Rice has been good. Um, but Ben Rama's been absolutely amazing so far this season. And I think that the West Ham bench, you know, it's not deep. Um, uh, it's not deep. You see two guys come in. You see Lanzini get some time. You see Craig Dawson get some time. And Yarmolenko. But these guys are all one-dimensional players. Um, so if you're stuck as West Ham, you don't have a lot to rely on on the bench. You're kind of just relying on your, you know, 13, 14-man rotation, and, and that's it. Uh, Iwobi was woeful in this game, I will say, was another <laughs> takeaway. Um, but that midfield for Everton, you know, Allen, Ducore, Jamar Gray was a little bit better when they switched him around. It's it's all pretty solid. Uh, they're looking, they need um DCL and Richarlison to come back desperately because they, they just need some more biting power up top. Well, you mentioned injuries. Decore has a stress fracture in his yeah. uh, foot, so he'll be out until mid-December. So they're without another key player. And you talk about team uh, squad depth. Everton's a team, the same situation as West Ham. They do not have a lot of depth. So it's going to come down to Benitez man, uh, man management and putting these guys in the best situations to get points now until everybody's fit. So everybody's going to have to double up on duties with these guys out. Uh, they're going to need goals from somewhere if these other players aren't coming back. Uh, and I, I still don't believe Townsend's that guy to get you all these goals week in and week out. And I've already said Rondon's not that guy. He's just a short-term solution 
for DCL being out. But I mean, uh, West Ham on the other end, you mentioned Suchek. He kind of had like a Yaya Torre year, the year he scored like 20 goals. Uh, not the same amount, obviously, for Suchek, but I mean, scoring 10, 11, 12 goals as a center midfielder in this league is a very tough thing to do. Um, I mean, we've seen Lampard, we talked about him with Chelsea. I mean, that the all time goal scorer for Chelsea, um, it's a very tough thing to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, surprise Antonio didn't get in the score sheet. Uh, he's a man that's been in crazy form, integral part to this team, but did get a goal from somewhere else and you didn't really think would come from it. Ogbonna getting the goal on a corner kick was nice to see. Um, I'm a little upset because the, the week I finally back Everton is the is the week they decide to just take it off. So, um, yeah, still going to have to figure them out. They're, um, they're kind of like my Burnley from you last year. Uh, so we're going to have to move on from them. And I'm really going to have to go back to the drawing board with what I have to I have to decide on whether they're, they're, they're going to show up this week or not. Yeah. Um, okay. All right, let's move on. We have Newcastle 2, Tottenham 3. This is the first game um, that the Piff was in charge. Also, Steve Bruce's last game in charge. He is out um, as of today. That's official. So, this game, Callum Wilson struck first in the second. Dangi and Dombele scored an absolute worldly in the 17th to draw the two teams level. Harry Kane got on the score sheet for the first time this season in the 22nd. Then Son Wang Min scored um, in injury time for uh, for the for the first half, but <clears throat> Eric Dyer scored an own goal to to draw things kind of closer towards the end there. And I thought maybe just maybe Spurs would do a Spurs thing and the game could end in a draw, but um, they ultimately get away with all three points after a fantastic first half performance from Tottenham. Yeah, I mean, really poor from Newcastle, to be honest. Um, I just don't think that they... They're just not good enough yet to, to do anything. They're not going to beat the Spurs team, uh, just despite Spurs trying to lose it for themselves. They just need to strengthen up that midfield and, and get the Longstaff brothers out of there. Uh, I know Mankia looked okay in this game, and... Matt Ritchie is kind of suspect to me, but, um, you know, I just think that they need to freshen up that back line, get some stronger defenders in there, especially center back wise. Um, and then everything else will, will kind of fall into place. Jolinton, you're not going to get a ton out of him up top. St. Max can stay. Willock can stay and fight for a spot. And Callum Wilson can probably stay. Uh, but, yeah. but everywhere else, I think that they need improvement. Um, so even, even in the goalkeeper, uh, position, Carl Darlow, you know, not great. So, I just think that they need to use some of that money in this transfer window, and I think they will. I think they'll get a good coach in, and I think that Newcastle will be on their way up um, towards that mid-table area, maybe towards that top-table area, depending on how much they spend. Um, I just want to tell you guys right now, you cannot underestimate the Saudi money. Um, you have to remember. You have to remember where City were um, before the Saudi money came in and then where they are now. I promise it may be long. It may take a while, but Newcastle United within within our lifetime will be a world powerhouse. I I promise they actually will be, and I know that's insane, but it, that's just how it happens. I mean, they're in the same area as Manchester. It's not the nicest place to be. The weather's always kind of dog shit, so a lot of not a lot of players that like warm weather will want to go there, but. If they're getting a big fat contract, ah, uh, they will be going up there. They will make sure they get that money. 
So, um, yeah, I agree with you on that point. And back to this game, this was Steve Bruce's, believe it or not, his thousandth game as a manager uh, across all competitions with every team, which is crazy how it ended. Uh, and since he joined, uh, Newcastle have dropped the most points from winning positions um, at home amongst any Premier League side, which just shows. Uh, and that's been their main problem is defense. They've given up the most goals in the league, eight matches, 19 against. They just leak goals, and I think it comes down to squad depth. They just did not do enough business in the summertime, and that's that's due to the previous owner, obviously, and Mike Ashley. Nobody liked him up there. Very, very uh, holding his wallet close to his chest, not really spending those mon- the dollars, uh, and it shows in the squad depth and how they perform, and they always struggle. They always struggle at the start of the year, but they kind of turn things around. You never know guys get in form. We saw it with Joe Willock at the end of last year, and I think St. Max being healthy now is a nice thing to see, and now that Callum Wilson's back, especially after the first two minutes, you saw what could be, and right after that goal, you're thinking, whoa, um, Newcastle coming out hot, new managers in there, the atmosphere was great, Uh, and then, like you said, Ndombele hits an absolute worldie, and Harry Kane, where everybody at the moment thought he was offsides, but VAR ruled it in, and that just turned turned the momentum there, and and uh, Spurs never looked back. So uh, tough for Newcastle. And one last thing, I mean, you mentioned the goalkeeper there. Dubrovka hasn't played all year; he's been hurt this whole time. He's been their main goalie. He's a solid goalkeeper. So I think they do have, like you mentioned, four to five spots that are secure. Uh, but they need to fill at least two or three of those spots in January if they want to get out of a relegation battle. Yeah. Okay. Um, let us move on to Arsenal 2, Crystal Palace 2. Uh, this was ass. Depressing. Um, yeah, just so depressing. Uh, we have to share the points. Uh, this game at the Emirates Stadium saw Arsenal going ahead early in the 8th minute. And then we were able to defend relatively well until the 50th when Christian Benteke Pulled one back. I can't believe he's still playing, to be honest. I can't believe he's still scoring. I feel like he's played on every single team in the Premier League. Um, just, wow. fuck. I was so pissed when this happened. And I thought, when this happened, there's absolutely no way that Arsenal win. Um, and I was right. Um, Odson Edouard scored in the 73rd. He was an add-on. Or did he play on the wing? He played out on the wing, I think, this game. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Zaha, Zaha didn't play in this match. Right, so no Zaha. Um, they had to switch him out or switch Edward out there on the wing, and and that was different for him. But he scored from the position, seventy third, and got subbed off. Um, it wasn't until <sighs> the absolute deaths. I mean, the dying ember of the game, the ninety fifth minute, Alexandre Lacazette scored for us, and and made sure that we didn't lose. I'm so happy that we didn't lose because Palace would have probably really used it to leap um, up the table. And we needed that point. We're still at the point where we're just not in a great spot. So I I was happy to at least get a point, but Arsenal do currently sit in 12th um, level on points with Leicester City. So two underperforming teams, uh, Arsenal and Leicester. And this was sad, but, uh, you know, I, I got to see at least the Aubameyang score. And, of course, like I said, I mean, every time the guy gets subbed in, he, he fucking scores. Um, I wish we saw more of him, but I think he's probably on his way out soon. So, um, yeah, just not ideal for Arsenal, but at least we got a point, right? Yeah, if you guys would have lost that game, you would have been level with Palace um, in the table on 10 each. So, like you said, every point matters in this league. And 
Um, it's kind of the changing of the guard, if you will. Like the the old players um, are on their way out, and the new regime's in. Uh, we've seen now uh, three, four games in a row now the same starting back five, including the goalie, um, getting some continuity there. And it's it's it didn't show in this game, giving up two goals, but um, I think it helps the chemistry back there getting used to each other uh, as long as there's no injuries I think it'll help them in the future and down the stretch in the league um, Partey's a guy that's always struggled with injuries and fitness and he's a guy that rarely plays a full 90 and I think having somebody like Sam be off the bench is nice Bring bits, brings on a bit of, of speed and youthfulness and energy that can help them a little different from Partey kind of slowing the game down so that's nice to see and um, Aubameyang getting a goal was great because it keeps him active and involved in the in the side, and uh, I think keeping him happy is a major thing if Arsenal wants to do well. Um, on the Palace hand, on the Palace hand, on the Palace side of things, once again they are a sneaky team. You cannot look past them, even without Zaha in this game. They get a point. Now, sooner or later, they're going to have to get wins if they want to do well. They have five draws now in eight games, which is the most in the league. Um, they're not losing too many games, but they're not winning enough. That's why we see them in their in their uh, yearly position of 14th. That's usually where they finish. So if they want to push up, if they want to do better, get in that mid-table, upper mid-table, they need to start winning these games. It's similar to the Villa when we talked at the top of the of the review. They need to close games out. They cannot. It's unacceptable to give up goals late on especially in the 95th minute. It's unacceptable. Um, so if I'm Vieira, um, I would have been extremely happy winning this game on the road, but they have to share the points, and that's very upsetting as a manager. So um, they still are in good form, and I think they can carry this on into next week against a Newcastle side that is struggling to stop goals. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, this is going to be a longer one. Uh, let's quickly run through our match day nine previews, um, and then we will go ahead and close this one out. So Friday, October 22nd, just two days away from now. We have Arsenal taking on Aston Villa at 3 p.m. That's a good one. Might watch that at a bar or something. Um, we have, yeah, Arsenal taking on Villa at Emirates. So it's a home game for Arsenal. I'm going to take Arsenal. Um, Villa slipped and fell last week against Wolves, and I don't think they're going to be back up yet. Uh, well, you could say Arsenal slipped and fell against Palace too, I suppose. Um, yeah. But I think that, that Arsenal are going to be better here, and maybe we'll see a little bit more of Lacazette. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and go Excuse me, with Arsenal. It's really tough for me because we were talking about Leicester with, or I mean Leeds, sorry, with the blinders on, kind of seeing through the mist, like they're some, or it's like a mirage where you see one thing and then you realize it's something else. I, I kind of have the same thing with Arsenal, uh, to be fair. It's like I'm expecting so much of them um, for years of past with how they've done well, but now it's like they're one of those teams, like they're in my tier of like a, 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 a Palace, a, a Wolves, or like a Everton. Like I don't know what I'm going to get. Um, but like I said, with the continuity in the back line, I think that's a strong thing to do. And it's really going to have to show in this game against Ings and Watkins, who are solid Premier League strikers. Um, so I'm going to take a chance on them again. I'm going to go with Arsenal here for that reason. I think the continuity is going to be there. I think they can break this team down. Uh, or Aston Villa mentally not being there a little bit, I feel like, on a short week. Uh, I think Arsenal can get the job done. 
Yeah. Okay. Cool. Next, we have Chelsea versus Norwich City. I think this is just going to be Chelsea. Uh, I don't need to say anything else. Norwich fucking suck. Yeah, it showed in the in in how the team lineup pick was today in the Champions League. Tuchel went with a full strength lineup, so I think we're going to see some reserve players get some minutes here. Um, like a Loftus Cheek, Hudson Adoy. Hopefully, this can be the return of Christian Pulisic. I'd love to see him get in this game and get a goal uh, to get him back out there, but um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, obviously, big Chelsea win here. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we have Crystal Palace versus Newcastle up next. I think this is the week that Crystal Palace get themselves a nice clean win. I'm going to go with Palace to beat Newcastle straight up. I don't know who their manager is. I don't think any of us know at this point. So I'm going to say Palace while Newcastle are in temporary turmoil. I think it's fair to say go with Palace. I think I'd be a big hypocrite if I didn't take Palace here, talking them up every single week uh, and going up against a side who doesn't have a manager. But they have solid players here, and this could turn out to be a very high-scoring game. So I'm going to go with Crystal Palace. Okay, cool. Uh, We have... Oh, wow, I see the moon through my fucking window. I didn't know what that was. thought it was a light. Uh, okay, we have <laughs> Leeds United versus Wolves. I'm taking Wolves. Fuck Leeds. We're done with them. Yeah, very straightforward. Um, same thing as last. I'm going with Wolves here. Uh, I definitely think it's going to be a low-scoring game as well. Um, don't think there's going to be too many great chances, but yeah, I think Wolves here. Um, and I think we could potentially see Traore get a goal. I'm going to take a chance on that. Okay, cool. That sounds good. Uh, we have Everton versus Watford up next. Watford looked woeful last week against Liverpool. I'm going to take Everton straight up. I would imagine they will be extreme favorites, um, and I don't care. I'm I'm going to go ahead and support them. I think they win. Yeah, Everton's a side that does not like having the ball a lot. Um, they purposely give the ball away a lot, and Watford's there as well. They don't have too much of the ball, um, and I don't think that's their style. I think that Watford likes having the ball more. Um, giving Saar a lot of time to open things up in that, as well as Dennis, you're a fan of him. Um, I think this could be a good game for Watford here um, against a beaten-up Everton side, no Decorey in there, so they're going to have to maybe fill in a Tom Davies or somebody else who I don't have confidence in in there. But um, I'm going to go with a draw here. I think I think a draw is a fair result for me. That's my. I think that's the game I'm going to take a chance on. Okay, cool. Um, we have Southampton versus Burnley next. This is actually where I'm going to take a draw. I think that Southampton probably come out on top, but I'm going to gamble and say draw. Um, both of these teams struggle in front of the net, and I think we're going to see that here. Yeah, Burnley have scored the least amount of goals with five this year. Uh, and Southampton's, or no, sorry, Norwich have only scored two, so the second most uh, Burnley, and then Southampton third least with uh, six. So both teams struggle to score in front of the goal, like you said. Um, but I'm going to give Southampton the edge here. I think they they have more quality there. But I wouldn't be surprised if Burnley can get a result out of this as well. But I'm going to stick with Southampton. All right, cool. We have Brighton versus Manchester City next. This is the one where I think City fucking slaughter Brighton. I can't wait to watch it. Um, I'm tired of seeing Brighton in the top five. I can't wait for City to just hammer the fuck out of them. So I'm going to go with City. Yeah, every game's a uh, it's heavy in Man City's favor. I mean... Uh, last May when Brighton won was the first time they've ever beaten City uh, head-to-head. So um, they are a side that holds the ball very well. They do not get the most amount of chances in front of goal, um, even with all that possession. So now only having probably 30 to 40% possession, they're going to be mainly trying to slow the game down, dippy, long balls, and playing for set pieces. So, And that at times, that's where City's 
weaknesses kind of is set pieces and i feel like brighton is a team that can get the edge here but i'm gonna go with man city here i think that having that much possession and mentally gonna break down brighton for not having that ball is gonna be hard for them to get grips with so i'm gonna go with city here away from home all right cool um west ham tottenham's next this is an easy one for me i don't think tottenham went two in a row i think they actually suck in reality um, and I'm going to take West Ham to uh, win here. And I think a Mikel Antonio goal is on the uh, on the docket. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, South, or Southampton. I think Spurs are a, a, a leaky team in the back right now. They don't have that continuity. Um, I feel like Emerson's not a great guy out there uh, defensively, not there at all. Uh, and I think really West Ham can pick that apart with Fornals and Ben Rama going at them like that. So yeah, I'm going to back West Ham here. All right, cool. Um, what do main match of the week? Oh yeah, Brentford Leicester City. This is a fucking heater. Um, I think another one. I'm uh, the I next one we're getting to. I don't think I picked them in a while. Um, so I'm gonna give them the respect they deserve this week. Uh, I think Leicester have summoned magic. Two games on the bounce now. Just today against uh, Spartak Moscow, where Pats and Doc had four goals in about fifteen minutes. Uh, that's magic, and then I think beating beating United after coming from behind was magical too. So I'm gonna say right. Brentford win here. Um, I've seen more out of Brentford that tell me they're a solid team, and I'll bet you Leicester's the favorite in this game, even though Brentford are so much higher on the table. Um, um, actually they're only two points high, or two slots higher, but Brentford are a better team, and I'm taking Brentford in this one. Yeah, I'm pulling up the odds right now for um that match right now. Give me a second here. Right now it is. Brentford is plus 165, Leicester is plus 170, so it's pretty much a flip of the coin right now with the bookies, Brentford being the home team, but I want to give, like you said, respect to Brentford, I fully think they're a solid team, but I think Leicester with this form right now, they're going to ride it, I think Rodgers is a great manager to go head-to-head with Thomas Frank here, um, two tactically gifted guys there that know their players in and out, and I think Tillyman's in there is going to be a difference maker, and I don't think Brentford's been dealing well with uh Jamie Vardy type players, the speed in behind, long balls in there. Um, I don't think they can keep up with him. They're used to the hold up play with Lukaku um, and the multiple guys out there. They can keep up with Mosala and them. So I think Leicester's going to give them a, a little bit of a run for their money in this game and get the win. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So we're going dis- to differ on that one. Um, the last game of the week is Manchester City or Manchester United versus Liverpool. This is, this is a an easy one here. for me. This is easy for me too. I think Liverpool win. I got no faith in United on this one. No Ab- way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you can't. You cannot not think that Liverpool is a heavy favorite here. I mean. Um, if you want to think about it, Varane being out here could be a problem for them. So they're going with a, their classic lineup. But, but, I mean, Mo Salah right now, I mean, you can't. He's going to get a goal here. He struggled in the past to score against United. That's kind of been a bad team for him. But, I mean, guy's in the form of his life. And I think the most interesting thing in my eye is going to be how Cristiano Ronaldo does against Van Dyke. I'm, I can't wait to see this matchup. It's going to be similar to how the build-up for Lukaku Van Dyke was. We honest, we obviously didn't get to see a full 90 minutes of 11 v 11 with that situation, but I think this is going to be a cracking matchup. I think it can be very high scoring, um, but I think it's going to go in favor of Liverpool. Yeah, I do. I honestly echo all of the sentiments um, that you just you just put out there. 
Um, I agree. I just think that in a coaching matchup like this where um, a, a guy's definitely going to get the edge, I just think that... Um, what's his name? I think that Klopp's going to get the edge. You know, I'm, I'm not big on... Uh, yeah, not big on Ollie, you know. It comes down to ma- your manager and how well they can handle the team, and I think most of the times you're gonna get Klopp over Ollie. I think Ollie's not the not a top six manager in a lot of people's eyes at all the teams. I mean, you take a lot of different guys over him. I mean, you could argue you take Renieri over him. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, I think that's it. Um, that's all from us. I'll, I'll let you close the show out, and then we'll just uh, say goodnight. If you guys made it this far in the episode, thank you guys so much for listening. This was episode 99. Next week will be our 100th episode. Um, a big milestone for us that um, never really thought we'd hit, but um, you don't really think about going week in and week out. You just do the same thing over and over. And um, now looking back at the big picture of where we started and uh, to where we are now, it's a crazy uh, transformation. And um, to 100 more, uh, I'm sure the, the the format and things will change up. We might get more people in on this. We might rebrand. You never know um, yeah. with how that goes. But yeah, if you want to follow us at Post Twenty Pod on our all of our streaming platforms, being Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, um, socials at Post Twenty Pod. If you want to catch up with all of Evans and Jeremy's and the other guys that are on with their bet slips and what their takes are for the NFL pick them every week. Uh, those guys are still going strong with that and they're doing very well. I've been looking at that very, a lot of green on the slip. I'm loving to see that. Yeah. We're um, not bad. So uh, yeah, you guys shouldn't fade these guys at all. These guys are great at their picks. Um, look, going to look more into that after this, but yeah, head over there. And then also don't forget, we have our YouTube channel post 20 podcast. If you want to check out, video format of our older episodes we haven't done those recently due to technical difficulties but maybe we'll pick that up later um and yeah other than that uh evan anything else to close no that's it thank you guys for watching um thanks for interacting and uh we'll catch you next week see you next week for the hundredth take care guys